When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome in Rose City to Soccer Made in Portland. I'm Ryan Clark, joined by Chris Reifer. Big weekend for PTFC up in Seattle. Uh, 2-0 win for the Thorns. Uh, one of their best, if not the best, win of the season for them. Uh, and then a, a pretty brutal <laughs> 0-0 draw between between the Sounders and Timbers. Uh, a, a solid enough result for the Timbers in a difficult stretch of their season, but as Gio said, as others have said, it's not enough, especially given where they are on the table. We'll start with the Thorns, though. Uh, very much an, an entertaining match between two of the best teams in NWSL. Uh, the rain gave the Thorns their best shot, and the Thorns responded with a, a comprehensive victory that could have been three or four goals, but ended up 2-0 and um and was, I think, the best performance of the season to to show the rest of the NWSL that, hey, we're still here, we're still the best team, uh, and this is why. So, Chris, you, you, you were able to watch both games. What was your uh, impression of that Thorns match? Thorns play like that, or even near that level, consistently over the course of the rest of the season, they're winning the double. Simple as that. Phenomenal performance. I mean, like, just an absolute masterclass in how to manage a soccer game. Uh, they went out, they got the early goal. They deserved the early goal. They played really well uh, in, in, in that first half, especially. Um, but even then, from, from that point, I mean, look, it's not going to be a game that you're going to totally dominate. The Rain are good. The Rain are at home. Um, they're really good players on the other side. Like, you're not going to – that's not a game that you're going to just overrun uh, by any means. And so when when the situation called for the Thorns to absorb, they absorbed. Uh, when the situation, you know, opened up for the Thorns to counter a little bit, they did. Uh, when when the game allowed the Thorns to dominate a little bit more and to carry the, the, the game a bit, they did. Uh, I think, I mean, that's how you win soccer games. Right there. That's an absolute masterclass. It was a mature performance. Uh, it was effective. Uh, the Thorns were dangerous pretty consistently. Uh, yeah, the rain definitely had some chances, but again, that's just going to happen. That's what happens when you play good teams on the road. Uh, and, and the thorns managed those situations. Well, they did a good job of making sure that the chances weren't super clear chances. Uh, and then when they had the opportunity to kill it off, they killed it off. That's how you, that's how you win soccer games. That's how you do it. Uh, and so I, I am as impressed by that thorns performance as I've been, impressed by certainly any performance from them this year. And I, I think they've had some good ones to date. Uh, but that one, that 
like hang that one in the Louvre. That is a phenomenal, phenomenal performance from that Thorns team. A comprehensive one. Uh, I think you can shout out a number of players, but Sam Coffey was, uh, I mean, a level above every other player on the field. Uh, it, I mean, it, it was a near perfect performance from a six. Uh, and and that is so much when you have a fulcrum like that, a rock for the team that helps you manage the different ebbs and flows that the game is going to give you. And when you have a, th- a six who can do a number of different things, who can defend well, who makes good decisions with the ball, who can maintain tempo and do all of that, then you can do that to to sort of ride the various waves that a game like that is going to give you. And she was unbelievable. Uh, Eric Williamson commenting on Twitter during the game. How is she not on uh, in the women's national team roster for the upcoming World Cup? I mean, I guess there's a theoretical chance, but not really. Those preliminary rosters are going to be dropping pretty soon. Full rosters in early July. Uh, I think everybody understands that uh, Coffee is not going to be on there. And I agree with him. That's a miss from Vlako Anonofsky. Uh, his failure to integrate her, the way she she plays and the way she showed and the level that she showed in that game absolutely should be on the on the plane uh and uh and so yeah i mean uh and when your your six is playing as well as that that makes it so much easier for everybody else and and i think that's exactly what we saw so uh how did i feel about the thorns performance blown away to be honest and uh and if that is what we're going to see from them you know they're gonna win the double yeah, the first goal for Sophia Smith uh, in like seven games. So really a, a tough stretch for her. Tough stretch. Um, She's she, been dominating and and, and, and and registering assists. I don't know. Like, I, 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 I think she's still been very good through almost all of this stretch. I think so, too. Uh, it was more a tough stretch for her personally. Like, she felt that way. Um, because she wasn't scoring goals. Obviously, the fact that she's added the the additional playmaking ability to her game has allowed her to continue to be playing at an MVP level. She now, with this one goal, the first in like seven games, is tied for the league lead with Crystal Dunn and a couple other players, including Alex Morgan and Lynn Williams. Um, you know, it's it's she's still having a great season. It's just if she had scored a couple of goals in that stretch, it would be an even better one statistically. And she would have more confidence than she did during that stretch where she was definitely frustrated, you know, and understandably. So she's a goal scorer. She wants to put the ball in the back of the net. And if she was doing so at the clip that she did last year, I mean, she'd have some pretty eye popping numbers right now. She already has the best assist and goal numbers in the league. I mean, nine goal contributions in 10 games. I'm good. Like I, I got no criticism. That's 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 uh, that is very good. <laughs> I'll take it every day of the week for right. every player in the league. And what a testament to how great she is that there could be more out of out of a season like that so far, right? But um, you know, great for her to to get you know, a little more confidence after after scoring that early goal. Uh, a really strong finish from her at to be expected. Christine Sinclair gets gets her goal in the second half to to basically seal the deal. And a nice performance and, from Sink. And a really strong performance. Yeah, she came off the bench and and was, you know, what they needed her to be yeah. and she stepped up and booted one in that was just classic Christine Sinclair. She scored that exact type of goal, you know, dozens if not hundreds on, of times. On, on a beautiful team move as well yeah Uh, yeah morgan weaver being the the catalyst for for that team move and somebody who the last several games has really 
upped her level of play and, and become, you know, one of their most important players and somebody who, when the world cup players all leave is, is going to be the leader, one of the leaders of this team as, as they make it through that stretch. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and you know, I, I mean, I, I think a lot of that also, uh, is sort of unlocked by the two-way work that Crystal Dunn uh, did in this one. It, it, folks have talked, as you just mentioned, about Dunn's attacking output uh, over the course of the season. It still baffles me somewhat that we're talking about her primarily as a left back for the national team. Uh, <laughs> that feels like a take that's two years old at this point. Um, but nonetheless, there's smarter people than I that are thinking about these things. Uh, but, none, you know, I mean, I think a lot of the discussion this year, and because she scored five goals, uh, has been about Dunn's attacking output. Her two-way play in this game as, as sort of a true eight is what allows Sinclair to come in in the 70th or so minute and be a free-floating kind of 10 sort of presence uh, that that both minimizes her weaknesses – uh, in terms of her mobility and her two-way play, but also really capitalizes on her uh, on 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 her both her goal scoring and and her playmaking ability, which is still very very good uh, when deployed correctly. Uh, and so uh, I I thought Sink was great. I thought Sink was put in exactly the right spot uh, in which Sink can be great. Uh, and and you know I mean I I think that is that is sort of how she's best used just at the at this point of her career. And I think the Thorns prospered because of it. I agree entirely on on Weaver. This was a game where Weaver was was a little bit quieter than she has been in in in, in some recent weeks for a stretch. Um, but then, really, as the Thorns really started to dominate that that last twenty minutes, which when you have a game that's back and forth like that, like this one was through most of the heart of the game, uh, the Rain certainly had some periods in which they had the better of the ball and, and created some, some chances. It was a little bit back and forth. When you get to a point where the tide sort of shifts back in your favor in the latter stages of the game, like this did for the Thorns very decidedly, that is the mark of a very well-managed game. And when that happened, Weaver became much, much more dangerous and was a really important part of the Thorns dominating that last stretch. I, I thought she very well deserved the assist uh, on that great move, did an awesome job to unlock the byline. Uh, and uh, and to open up that cutback, perfect run from sink and perfect finish. Uh, that's that that's how ruthless teams put games away, uh, and and don't give the rain a window uh, to to get something out of it. That's a rain team that the thorns. I mean, they haven't beaten them in a minute, right? Uh, up until this weekend, uh, and and that's given the thorns a lot of trouble. And frankly, the rain have scratched a lot of draws and and even wins out of games that when you looked at the balance of the play. They probably didn't quite deserve those, right? The Thorns played okay against the the rain a fair amount in this stretch, but they've just dropped results. Not happening here, uh, and and it, it wasn't happening here because of, I mean, frankly, I think just collective buy-in, collective intelligence, uh, and and you know, uh, and, and the ruthlessness to be able to slam the door when they had the opportunity to do so. But when we look back a couple of weeks and we were talking about this Thorns team's difficulty playing with wins. This is what we were saying they needed to do. That's it. Like, like when we, when we were talking about what the solutions were to that, this was the solution. Yeah, to slam the door and to and to get this like culture type win, right? This this one that shows, yes, the, these players that have been together through thick and thin through two years, who have had so much success, many of whom are veterans of NWSL, like 
they are who who people expected them to be and and to break out of what was as as you alluded to kind of an identity crisis for them for a few games where they had those two three three draws and then they lost their first game of the season they came back from Houston and and were genuinely feeling a bit uneasy about how things were going you know and this is a confident group this is a, a mindful group for the most part there are some young players who are still learning uh, the mindfulness that that veterans like Becky Sauerbrunn, Megan Klingenberg, Christine Sinclair possess, but they were they were all you know top to bottom in in a bit of a questioning spot, and this result it allows them to to truly and fully I think break out of that you know a, a win over a lower tier NWSL team that's that's what they expect to do they right. they don't really care nearly as much about that as a result like this to to you know, show who they are. And slamming the door doesn't always mean trying to win 4-0. I, th- I think that's the, the the trap that they've gotten into at times over the course of uh, of the last couple months is, is when they get that first goal thinking, oh, we're just going to pour it on. This wasn't a game in which the situation called for just trying to pour it on because the rain are good, uh, especially when they can work down the wings and, 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 and work in the open field a little bit, that if you're too aggressive, they can they absolutely have the weapons to be able to punish you for that. Uh, and that's not what the Thorns tried to do. Uh, that's, that is the change. And, and, and that is the game management stuff that, that I think they were lacking, and they showed it in spades up in Seattle. So, I, I, I mean, it, it, it frankly was, was a real pleasure to watch. Because if you, I mean, if you are enough of a nerd about soccer and watch enough games like this, you develop a sense of when teams are good at controlling games. And even when the rain had good moments in that game, the Thorns were still under control. There was no moment in which the Thorns were hanging by a thread. Uh, and and then to see them sort, sort of, you know, you know, absorb some punches uh take some take a little bit from 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 the rain well remaining dangerous it's not like the thorns were ever in a shell by any means and then push the tide back in the other direction to the point where they uh they 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 could win it going away i mean that's it's beautiful stuff uh so yeah, so I mean, credit to the players credit uh to the coaching staff uh to everybody um who who put everything into getting that win that is a signature win and that's the type of win that that if that's the level, it's it's going to be a trophy filled season. Yeah, a really exciting and historic one if they can keep that up. You know, it's it was a really tough game in terms of the the performance by the rain. Like they they gave them their best shot, and Megan Rapino had like a virtuoso performance, like up and down the field throughout the game. She she was a problem for them, and it and they handled it terrifically well and they handled you know some some brief moments of adversity very well I thought Bella Bixby fighting through some some pain she had some hip uh soreness I think is how how Mike Norris described it um she made some great saves and and they weren't like making up for issues at the back type saves which she's had to do plenty of in recent weeks they were just genuine moments of, of quality from the rain that that she had to be there to to stifle, and she did. Um, Becky Sauerbrunn returned for a few minutes. We'll see how she recovers from her injury. 
Um, you know, the, the back line overall, I think Kelly Hubley played well. Um, Mangus was in there at the start and she has proven a, a solid veteran presence after a, a shakier start to the season than maybe she would have hoped for coming back from injuries. Um, but Mangus is another one that during this world cup break, like she's going to, to be one of the the leaders that binds this group together and, and continues to, to push for results as, as the rest of the league finds itself in the same type of situation as the thorns, albeit not nearly as depleted as the thorns will be <laughs> considering how many national team players are, are going to be gone. Um, but you know, big test of depth, right? And I think the Thorns have that and have have got young players coming into their own as well. Rana Reyes, I think, has been really, um, really solid the last few games and has has looked more professional as she's had these these few weeks to to adjust. Really, to, really good few weeks for Rana. Yeah, and, to adjust and to the speed of the game. Into the yeah. Stretch. yeah, it is. It's massive. And and she's gonna have to step in there for Natalia Kuika, who will be gone for the World Cup for however long Finland is in it, right? And and to have Megan Klingenberg on the other side will be, you know, welcome as well. Um three games left for the Thorns until basically the whole team leaves, right? So you got uh Orlando on the eleventh on the road. That's the Sunday. Uh, Chicago Red Stars the following Sunday on the road. Um and they return home to to have one pretty solid test against Washington uh, again on the 23rd. Mark Parsons and, returned to Providence Park. Yes, Mark Parsons back to Providence Park. There will be a lot of um, a lot of emotion in that game. It'll be an, a good matchup between two of the better teams in the league this season, and and I think a good send off final test for for the full team before, you know, three days later is when the NWSL releases its players for the world cup. Um, not everybody will leave immediately. Uh, there are some players like Rocky Rodriguez who are rehabbing injuries that will likely stick around and, and do so here uh, until they, you know, need to travel to Australia and New Zealand. There's a send off game um, that, that the U S will play uh, before they, they head off that that'll be down in San Jose, but um, yeah, I mean, after the, the game on the 23rd, like it's, it's going to be a, a much more mixed group for the thorns. And then a lot of the eyes of, of the soccer world will shift to, to Australia and New Zealand. You know, you, you, you pointed out Emily Mangus, and I, I want to just circle back to this because I, I think this is sort of a, I mean, it, it's just a, a, an important lesson in putting players. And we talked about it sort of with sync and putting players in the right circumstances to be successful. Emily Mangus is a player who has been a good defender in NWSL now for a long time. She, I, we, as we've seen this season that when she's sort of stranded in space, she's going to struggle a bit more and the rain have plenty of, of, of pieces in their attack that can exploit. I mean, Veronica Lasko is, is I think one of the NWSL players of the month, if I remember right, uh, has had a huge month month for the rain. She was out after 60 minutes in this game uh, because the Thorns did such a good job of keeping her under control. Uh, Megan Rapino, Bethany Balsley. I mean, these are all good players. And I, and, and, and I acknowledge that the, the rain have some questions up top. But there are plenty of weapons in the attack to, to more than make up for it. But instead of letting Mengus get exposed against these really good players in space where she struggles the thorns were were just a lot more pragmatic in not letting the not allowing many of those moments to happen 
and Mangus was good. <laughs> and, and and so it, it it really is just a matter of understanding the personnel that you have and playing in a way that puts them in a position to be successful. Uh, and and I think Mangus was plenty good enough to finish that game. Obviously, they wanted to get Sauerbrunn some minutes to get her built back up. Uh, and, and Becky was very good when she came in. Uh, but that is, I mean, that's the kind of performance that, it, that if previously you were thinking, oh boy, you know, what are they going to do when Sauerbrunn leaves for the World Cup and she's going to be gone for a longer stretch? They're going to do that. And, and it worked. Kelly Hubley and Emily Megas, they're going to they're be here. Megan Klingenberg, she's going to be here. Uh, Rana Reyes, who you talked about, has been very good recently. She's going to be here. Sam Coffey's going to be here. Uh, that is how you do it. Morgan Weaver is going to be here. Uh, that Emily Moultrie, or Emily Moultrie, <laughs> Olivia Moultrie, she's going to be here. Uh, I mean, th- that is how you do it. Uh, and and so, you know, I I think you, the vision is is becoming clear, and in part because of some improved individual performances, but also just because of. Uh, a little bit of a sharpening sort, you know, approach from the team, how it's going to work even after this three game stretch. But as you talk about this three game stretch before the world cup departures, all three are winnable, right? Two road games against pretty weak opponents. I just have to throw a little bit of shade, uh, a little interlude <laughs> at angel city, <laughs> a team that even a couple of weeks ago, I was like, I think they're better than the, than the record <laughs> indicates they lost at home to the red stars, which is not good. <laughs> As we saw the red stars, when a team plays well against them, the red stars aren't competitive. Uh, the red stars beat angel city at home. It has been just a disastrous beginning of the season to angel city. And at this point you gotta just, I mean, like I've kind of got to come off my, they're better than the record thing. Cause they just are the record at this point. Um, but yeah, they've had some injuries too, but it, no it, question. you know, at, at this point it's, it's yeah. The, the results like that you can't, can't have they, against a, a red stars team that is, depleted to say the least Amandine Henry will will help them when she gets in but again there's she's not meaningfully going to get in before the world cup that's going to be after the world cup the season's over by then uh for for that angel city team uh but the red stars as we saw just a few weeks ago they are a beatable team the pride as we've seen are a beatable team these are teams that the thorns have beaten at a canter uh at home harder on the road they're going to have to play well they can't take any of these games lightly but if they go and they play well, if they bring anything near that level that they showed in Seattle, they will win those games. Uh, and then I, I agree. Really good, really interesting matchup against the Spirit at home. Uh, and I think that's very much a, a, a game that that can be a send-off. But would you expect the Thorns to win that game? You would, because of what the Thorns have shown. Uh, having the home field advantage, uh, I, 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 think, I, I think you'd expect the Thorns to, to, to win that one. And if they can do that, they're top of the table right now, uh, tied with the the wave. I think it's going to be a good race. I don't think, and I do not predict that this is going to be one that the Thorns run run away from by any means. Uh, I don't think it's going to be a breakaway uh, shield win. But I think the Thorns are going to be in that race. Uh, and if you can sort of close this stretch strong, they really will set themselves up well. Uh, not only for that World Cup period, in which I think this is a good enough team still to get results, uh, but when they get back, uh, I th- I think closing this strong puts them in a position to be really difficult to to beat in that race. 
Yeah, they've said it from the start this season that they they want to be the first ever Shield winners and champions in the same year for the Portland Thorns. They that somehow that has not happened yet with with this team um, that has been so successful over its first decade in the league, been the most successful team in NWSL in its first decade. Um, they play like they played so, last week. It's going to happen. Exactly. The Portland Timbers played a match. <laughs> Oh, are we going to talk about this? Yeah, yeah, I think we are. All right. I mean, uh, we don't usually talk about the the kids game that they have on the field before before the game, but <laughs> I mean, we can, I guess. It was uh, it was a rough watch for sure. I, I think, uh, you know, to, to start with a, a positive note, I think a very strong defensive performance from the Timbers that allowed them to get this result. But that was aided by some thorough incompetence on the part of Seattle, one of their worst performances as of late with the ball at their feet. Um, just not a whole lot going on on the other end for the Timbers. Uh, they just didn't really, the, the surface, the time of day, that doesn't help. But at the end of the day, it was just not a terribly <laughs> in, inspiring BS. performance generally. Um, you know, Geo Geo wasn't satisfied with it. He's like, yeah, we got the point, but you know, where we're at in the table, we, we need three points in these situations and we need more even after that, which is true. And, you know, I'm glad that he acknowledged that. But at the same time, you know, they are where they are. It, it's it's not a, you know, terribly exciting time to be watching the Timbers lately. It's They've been struggling, to put it mildly. And then this game has the potential to, you know, uptick them a little bit, but it Literally didn't. It's, they, it's, I mean, it, they, they it were at 1.07 yeah. points per game before, and they were on 1.06 points per game after. So, <laughs> yeah, exactly. So they're they just one point is they all they lost like a, a few thousandths of a point per game in in <laughs> in that one. Yeah, and then they got FC Dallas on Sunday, which is not going to be an easy match. And Dallas over the last couple of years has been one of the tougher matchups for the Timbers. They've they've struggled. Yeah, both at home and on the road against Dallas. So it's it especially on the road. So thankfully the Timbers don't have to travel down to Texas for this game. But um they'll they'll host them on Sunday. Um your expectations for that game, maybe, since there really isn't a whole lot to talk about in the way of the Seattle game. Yeah, I mean the Seattle game look, I mean if we want to process those of us who watched this undercard, uh, if we want to process some collective trauma. I'm just going to verbalize what we all went through, which was we watched a deeply, deeply, deeply terrible soccer game. Just awful in, 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 in much the way that like, you know, aficionados of soccer would really like deeply appreciate the way the thorns won uh, against the rain. This was the far, 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 far opposite end of the spectrum in terms of just an affront to everybody who likes soccer. And and it was it was an abomination uh, from from sort of the neutrals' perspective. It was an abomination. What the teams I think uh, combined for like point six xg uh, in the game and single game xg is single game xg, right? It it. it is subject to many variations, but like just watching that was thoroughly deserved that like that was, that was a right uh, to put that in context. If you, if you're not uh, an XG nerd, you know, usually if you're a, a single team 
that had 0.6 XG in a game, you probably lost. That's not good. You you need to be generating more than that, and you need to be generating more than that consistently if you want to be consistent scores, right? I mean, that's like really just a mathematical point. But the teams combined for 0.6 XG, and 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 the Timbers uh, did got their like 0.3 XG. They were roughly evenly split, you know, depending on which uh, which metric you looked at. But the Timbers got their 0.3 XG on like what 12 shots which was the lowest XG per shot uh, uh, like the ratio that the Timbers have had in their MLS history. Yeah, and I think the worst ever um, for a team that took 10 or more shots. And yeah. you know, people, people were upset about focusing on, on that point because of the defensive performance. And yeah, you know, kudos to them for, for holding Seattle I mean, to just let, like let's five put shots. Both, let's but... put both teams' defensive performances in context. Yeah. Neither team took any risks at all. At all. I this you watch like old like movies of like medieval wars like you know like Lord of the Rings or something like that. And like when the armies line up they always like send a few guys out with like the flag to like talk to the guys on the other side to see if maybe instead of killing a bunch of people they just want to like go home. Yeah, or and, do like a one-on-one sword battle. Like, yeah, you know, or, John, John Snow and and Ramsey and Game of Thrones, or, yeah. or some, you know, I mean, something where they're just like, all right, instead of doing this, maybe we should all just you know go home. They should have sent Geo and Schmetzer and uh, Ladero and Chara out to midfield before this game to do that, because it would have been like the kind of thing where they're like, hey, everybody, good with the point. Yeah, okay, cool, cool. Let's just let's just let the ground up take the field. <laughs> like, well, we don't need to do this. Uh, nobody took any risks. Nobody. I mean, there was there was no attacking impetus from either team in 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 the course of this game. And so, yes, both teams kept a clean sheet. <laughs> both teams can say, oh, "All right, we we got some things right in defense." Yeah. All right. Fair enough. Um, but I mean, they they, they answered all the questions right but there were very few questions asked and those that were asked were not particularly interesting so i i mean this was a point it was a completely forgettable game uh i think if you're the sounders who have been reeling a little bit maybe you can justify that i don't know i don't think they're very happy with it brian schmetzer didn't seem very happy with it after the game uh if you're the timbers and you're where you're at you know again it's it's exactly what geo said a road point is a road point in ordinary circumstances. That's that's a perfectly fine thing. But the Timbers aren't in ordinary circumstances. They're in the race for the wooden spoon. And uh, when you're in the race for the wooden spoon, uh, a point in a game against a... I mean, the Sounders were very beatable. And the Sounders will say the same thing about the Timbers, and, and they're not wrong. But the Sounders were very beatable on Saturday, and the Timbers looked completely disinterested in trying to do that. Uh, and, and that, I think should stick in Geo's craw uh, a little bit and should should get them thinking about some of the decisions they made going into and during that game. It also, and, you know, before we talk about the FC Dallas game, this this was another thing that stood out to me that, that had nothing to do with what was happening on the field, but, you know, related. It, it, was, a, it was a bad game to watch, right? It, it was, it was two, two teams in poor form that, kind of just ran into each other at like the worst possible time. 
with the worst possible conditions at the worst possible. The conditions time of weren't day. that bad. <laughs> I mean, like I I know that down on turf, down on turf though. Like it's when it's hot and the sun's coming down. It's just like but it was like in the seventies. It's not like it was one of these like ninety-two degree days or something like that. It, it, right, it but was the way the ball warm. moves. The way the ball moves. The thorns like, in the rain managed yeah. to make an entertaining game out of it. On um, the same yeah. field in the same weather. Like, come on. Yeah, the, yeah, but but it was later in the day. You know, it's it, slightly di- different field. They watered the field before <laughs> the, the thorns came. I mean, the, it, these it, are these are yeah. all just like yeah, there. There have been plenty of midday games at Lumen Field that have been competent soccer games. I mean, these are all yeah. excuses for, and they're they're pretty thin excuses for what was just a terrible game. And I I, I don't mean to you know, point to one team or another and making those excuses. It was just a terrible game. Yeah, it was. And and so leading into to the larger point, um, the fact that like 42,000 people were there to watch that one and then a, about half or less of them just just got up and left. Look, I get I get that it's a long day. I get that if you got kids, you don't want to be out in the sun all all day long. And and after that soccer game, I don't know if I would feel like watching much more soccer if it wasn't my job, right? But I knew what was coming. I knew that the, the rain and, and thorns game was going to be a good one, and it turned out to be. Um, but but it's disappointing. And and I you know I I pointed it out at at the game that like you know you look out at the stands and to see them you know packed full at the start of of a worse game, <laughs> and and the next game being a women's game and half of half of the people are there is, is frustrating. It's probably frustrating for the players. It's frustrating for, for people associated with the league, major props, obviously to everybody who stayed or, or even just showed up for, and they were rewarded with, with a good game. Yeah. And they were rewarded. I I imagine that's, that's cold comfort for rain fans, but like, it was just a good soccer game. Yeah, it was. And um, but yeah, the overarching point being it, it is disappointing to, to see that happen. You know, there's a, there's a long way to go for, for, you know, equity of treatment when it comes to, to soccer in this country. And, you know, it's awesome that that many people were there. It might've been, you know, it, in fact, it was a record for, for a rain game, just the amount of people that stuck around, but it can be better. It, it can absolutely be better and it would have been nice to see even like three quarters of the people disappointing around but not surprising oh i i mean it, it speaks to just the the stuff that we all know about right that's that's obvious uh in the way women's sports are treated versus men's uh i mean it's sort of a stark example of that right because you had a very good product <laughs> from a women's game that got you know, half or less than half of the the people than a very bad product <laughs> in, in in a men's game, and so it was like, it was kind of just like it was that comparison just put in very stark terms. But but it's the dynamics that we've known, especially. I mean, you know, I mean, the, the, I think we just have to acknowledge it with the rain uh, in particular that they have not done a good enough job of capitalizing on the soccer interest in Seattle. And, um, you know, I mean, that is different from the thorns, uh, and the tempers, uh, that, that, that disparity is not nearly as stark, uh, in terms of interest and, and, and that kind of thing. But, you know, I mean, so I agree with you that it's frustrating and it's disappointing, but it's also not new. It's certainly not new. (laughs) It is very old. 
these are it is it, it is a stark example of the same headwinds that that we've known about and that we've been fighting and trying to fight through for a long time. Yeah, and the the biggest issue to me is the idea that you purchased tickets to the double header. You you didn't buy tickets for let's one play two. and not the other. It's a let's play two thing. It was advertised as such, and they gave the prime time slot between the two to the thorns and the rain the the game where the sun most of the time you're watching the game is not beating down on you depending on where you are in the arena (laughs) and put on some sunscreen and a hat and people would rather go to like a sports bar and they'd rather like go or they'd rather go home and that's lame man like these are these are people whom a lot of your sons and daughters are going to be watching and cheering on and learning about the game from when they're in the world cup in a couple of months, the, the onus is on, on soccer fans to do more. I agree that the organization, you know, bears a great deal of that responsibility, particularly in Seattle, just trying to, to maintain that equity. I, I do think there is more that can always be done on in the Portland side. I think Portland um, does a better job than anybody in, in finding that, balance but there there's there's just so much more to be done here it's just it sucks so bad to be in 2023 and to look out from from the glass windows in the press box and see just such a stark difference it's just it's lame but at the end of the day you know the maybe the 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 positive side of this is from just a purely objective soccer perspective not a partisan i support this team or that team perspective just a purely objective soccer perspective who are the suckers? Who are the suckers here? It's the people who walked out. Because they had to watch the traumatically awful game, right? They had to, they, they watched the terrible game and then they walked out before the good one. It's like, it's, it's like showing up to a, to a concert, going to the, to the opener, thinking the opener maybe stinks a little bit. And then Beyonce walks on the stage, and 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 you walked out before Beyonce. <laughs> All right, <laughs> you're the sucker. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, you paid for the floor seats, and you didn't you didn't even get to see Beyonce. That's right. right? You paid you paid for the floor seats. You you saw you know some like local band, <laughs> you know, and and then because you're ignorant about what was coming next, you 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 bailed before something special happened. Uh, yeah. And before you 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 got what you thought you were paying for, which was good soccer and a good game, and and so you know, I mean, it. it I agree that that these are the same dynamics we've we've been. I mean, these are the same dynamics that we've been dealing with for a long time. But like, it, has there ever been a you know? I mean, can you remember a clearer example of why people who aren't willing to give women's soccer the time of day? are just turning their back on something that's very, very good and often turning their back on something that's very, very good for the sake of watching something that is not always very good. And in this instance was very bad. Oh, so, I mean, they're the suckers, the people who walked out of the suckers, the, the yeah. people who got what they paid for and what they wanted are the folks who wore, you know, wore sunscreen, wore a hat and, and, and got a, got a, a snack b- between the games and, and a drink of water. Uh, and, and came back for, for the second one because that second one was worth watching and worth paying for. The first one, not worth paying for. And and I think that there are some people for whom, you know, staying out that long isn't isn't tenable. But 
There's also people who, then, I mean, then, they'd be, they'd be out that for, long. Then don't come for the opener. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> come don't for come, the main event. Come for the better one if you're going to pick one of the two. And, and there are people who are in that category who will stay out in the sun for like six hours, seven hours watching their kids play at some like rec center and somewhere like it's the same thing. It's there are, there are valid reasons. There are excuses, but at the end of the day, you're missing out on, on the better product. And, and, you know, so much of this stuff is just baked into our culture that like, it's, it's a long road to, to fixing it. And, but I, on the positive side, I do think that, you know, the fact that attendance numbers in NWSL are going up as much as they are, the fact that, you know, for a, a afternoon game against the Red Stars, uh, a team that is not even close to a rival of the Thorns, that isn't even close to the level of the Thorns, that 21,000 people would pack into Providence Park for that game. Those things, along with the league wide growth, of, is, is something that, people should hang their hat on and be happy about. It's not close to where it should be, but it's definitely progress. And I think we absolutely should laud that as well. I mean, folks are figuring out more folks are figuring out not as many as should that NWSL and women's soccer presents a Beyonce level product a lot in many, many instances. Uh, it's very good. Uh, if you like soccer, uh, those who showed up for Timber Sounders got Nickelback. So Here's shout out to all the suckers who watched Nickelback on Saturday and walked out before Beyonce. Speaking of stars, um, there, there's a gentleman who's joining uh, Major League Soccer who we would be remiss if we did not discuss at least briefly. Uh, Lionel Messi, the arguably greatest player in the history of this sport. The greatest player uh, in the history of the sport. I, I get sick of the arguably stuff. He's, he's, he's at that point now. I'm I'm a journalist. I get scared of like having yeah, a definitive having opinion on anything. It's <laughs> terrifying. Uh, <laughs> but you know, the greatest player of all time, Lionel Messi, coming to MLS to play for Inter Miami, uh, expected to join the club in probably late July, early August. Pretty insane moment for the league. I mean, there have been aging stars that have come to this league before. Um, you know, David Beckham's Latan Ibrahimovic. You know, and. Pele, obviously, back in in the old days, you know, NWSL days, yeah, 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 and 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 so there there has been this this type of movement before, but never this caliber of person, right? He he's he's an institution. He he's a he's an icon of the sport, and um, you're already seeing ticket prices soar for for the games that they have on the road, including ones, by the way, that are in places that he's not going to be playing yet, like DC. Uh, where my brother lives, he he was you know looking at their tickets just for fun, and and they were three hundred bucks minimum for July eighth, the game that he will definitely not be playing in, barring some insane you know change of of plans here, because he's a, he's a PSG player until June twenty fifth, so it'd be it'd be crazy if he was playing in that game. He won't be so. But the, the news itself is is massive for MLS. We we don't know all of the details of his deal quite yet but you know equity in you know adidas and or profit sharing i should say in in adidas and and profit sharing in the apple tv subscription model which is wild uh potential ownership stake down the road and i've seen people talk about it i don't know if it's 100 percent true 
but other MLS teams potentially paying in to help finance this dude's contract. Yeah, I don't buy. I mean, I I don't buy that directly. Uh, in terms of, I think that's probably a mischaracterization of what the profit sharing arrangements are because i mean those profit sharing arrangements are fairly characterized as sort of league resources going to help pay Messi's salary but i i mean i i haven't seen a lot of firm reporting on actual money coming out of other teams pockets to pay Messi. i think that would be crazy and scandalous if that was the case it would and and unless you're getting something out of it like there's like a messy victory tour type thing where every team in the league gets a home game with him showing up and with him playing even, for them and him <laughs> yeah and he better be playing right I, no i mean i i, I haven't that's seen a lot, of, happen, a lot of solid no. follow up reporting on that uh i think that's probably a mischaracterization of of the more solid reporting we've seen in the last few days which is that there is a sort of tie-in with the the app with additional subscriptions to Apple TV and additional sort of revenue to Adidas uh, a, a, as a result of this move. Got to figure that's like a cut of messy jersey sales and 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 that kind of stuff. Um, but you know, I mean, look. So first of all, it's going to be exciting and fun because Messi, even at his advanced age, is still a very, very, very good player. The dude won the Golden Ball in the World Cup, like six months ago uh so he can still play uh and uh for how long i i, I don't think we know um but he's going to be a very good player in mls right and it, it's going to be fun to see him uh there's also going to be some level of absurdity including people buying tickets to games that he's not going to play in uh and and paying through the nose for tickets that he to games that he's not going to play in my like the one that i'm particularly looking forward to and i think something like this is probably going to happen along the way is even after he's with with Miami, uh, there will be sort of an unannounced, like excused absence for a game where he won't be and he'll like turn up in Baku on some like uh you know uh on on some marketing uh venture and, and and it'll be an excused absence. I mean, there's gonna be some level of absurdity like that, and the league is just gonna tolerate it because it's messy. Yeah, like a minor injury, even too, or a injury quote unquote yeah that's gonna keep him out for a game and then there's gonna be people that pay thousands of dollars for these tickets to go to Both. go watch rudolfo pizarro play for uh for inter miami and joseph martinez yeah. yeah that's right i mean joseph is sometimes worth the cost of admission uh you know and and miami's gonna have to do some figuring uh with respect to the salary cap situation my plea to mls and and so i, I there have been some people who have bellyached a little bit about the use of league resources for the competitive benefit of, of one particular team. I think those are fair points to make. Uh, anybody who's been around MLS for a while is not surprised uh, by that. That has been done many times in the past, and it's been a fair gripe that a lot of those league resources have been, have gone to the benefit to the LA Galaxies and the Seattle Sounders and now the Inter-Miamis of the world. And, and, and I think those are all very fair points this is not even the most egregious example of that in the past like actual rules have been bent or broken for the purpose of 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 doing that here it's not so much a matter of rules being broken as it is just leveraging these league resources to help miami sign a player still think that's objectionable but you know i mean it if anybody is clinging to the idea that mls is sort of this agnostic playing level playing field enforcing uh, force uh, within the league in this environment. Uh, I, I don't know what you've been paying attention to. It's just not that. 
And so, I mean, the, none of this is is particularly shocking. My plea, though, because there's been lots of talk about Messi and friends coming. Inter Miami has has a you know they have three filled DP spots right now. Uh, they have uh, still sanctions from their previous cheating uh, when they hid payments to Blaise Matuidi to get him to signed on a TAM on a fraudulent TAM contract. Um, my plea to MLS is not to bend or break rules to allow the and friends to be signed. If Miami can, within the rules, make the moves that they need to bring in, you know, whether uh, w- whether it's Busquets or uh, or or Di Maria or whoever, then fine, great. But please don't like. And and if MLS is going to change the rules for everybody, if MLS is gonna you know, get rid of some of the interfencing or open up the internal transfer market for everybody. Fine. I mean, maybe this is, maybe you're doing it for the wrong reasons, but those are the right steps. So fine. But please don't let Miami sign players to obviously fraudulent TAM contracts. Frankly, as the Matuidi one was, (laughs) when Miami signed Matuidi to a TAM contract, there were raised eyebrows everywhere. That was a World Cup winner being signed to a contract that was supposed to be under what was probably 1.5 million per year at the time. Give me a break. <laughs> like, and, and it turns out that was exactly as fraudulent as it looked. <laughs> and so, and, and they ended up getting sanctioned for it. Uh, maybe MLS headquarters should sanction itself for credulousness. Um, but please don't do that again. That, I mean, that's just the kind of thing that is is a bridge too far and and undermines the competitive credibility frankly of of, of MLS. So that is my plea, but I'm overall I'm I'm excited about Messi. I think it's going to be fun. I'm looking forward to watching him. Uh and uh and I think it's uh it, it it's it's uh, you know, I mean it has the potential to be sort of shepherding in a new era for MLS. I don't think it's guaranteed to do that, but it's got that potential. Yeah, I think if you do things right, it it definitely has that potential to to grow the game as as that that's the constant talking point from from people in the media, from um, people in power, right? Is the idea that you know something like this is inevitably going to help grow the game in in the United States and um, more legitimize MLS, and that is very possible. But I, I do think that there is also a possibility that this is one of those flash in the pan like cash grab to end all cash grabs type situations yep. where they make a ton of money in the short term and then Messi retires and then all that attention back, goes away. Yeah. You're back to where you were before and you don't want that. Like PSG lost millions of Instagram followers as soon as, as Messi said he wasn't going to stay hey, And that's not, Hey, not a Miami got anything, him. but <laughs> Miami got like 4 million more. <laughs> yeah. They all moved over but, to Inter Miami. That's exactly IG. the cautionary yeah. tale. Yeah. And, and yeah, I, I so I th- I think that's right. Uh, I mean, there have been o- lots of very obvious sort of calls back to the situation with David Beckham, uh, and there have been I think pretty compelling arguments made in, in recent years that not only did the Beckham signing lead to sort of a short term increase in interest, but it but it did sort of help lay the groundwork for longer term transformation and, and growth within MLS. And I think that's exactly the hope that 
with the Messi signing for, for the league, right? I think it is far from obvious that that is going to be the result. MLS is frankly now just in a very different phase than it was in, two, what was it, 2007, 2008 when, uh, when Beckham signed. It's in a very different spot. And will a signing like this have long-term effects with the league in the place that it is? Uh, or or will it be, you know, more of a flash in the pan? And if it is the flash in the pan, frankly, my guess is economically it won't work out for MLS. Uh, and it won't be worth the investment. Uh, I think the upfront investment that that Miami and MLS are making only makes sense if it leads to longer term transformation and growth. And then there are going to there are and need to be serious questions within the league office about the structure of the league and how to best position the league to capitalize on, on that kind of long-term growth. Cause frankly, I think if we're, if we're coming out of this and we still have all this ridiculous interfencing and artificial deflation of kind of the second of, of, of salaries and transfer fees for kind of the second tier of players in the roster under DPs, I think the league will not be well positioned to take advantage of any long-term effects from from Messi. Uh, and, and so, you know, but a lot of that is also tied into collective bargaining negotiations that the league maybe now regretting some decisions uh, extended the effect of uh, over, uh, over COVID. Uh, I, I think that was pretty short-sighted uh, and they may now be reconsidering some of those things. So I, you know, I, I think that is, which is all to say that all of that is very complicated but if they're not having that conversation, they're going to put themselves in a materially worse position to have this have lasting effects than if they are get, sort of get serious uh, about those structural issues. Um, so we'll see. We'll see what happens uh, in the short term. It's going to be fun, right? Because the 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 same people who appreciate good soccer uh, who were um, deeply offended by uh, the performance of the Timbers and Sounders over the weekend. Look, there's some good stuff coming from, from Lionel Messi, right? He is, he is a, there's a, there's a reason he is the greatest of all time. Uh, and, uh, and there, there will be some, some joys that, that come from uh, having the opportunity to watch him in MLS competition week in and week out. Uh, but, you know, the longer-term questions I, I think are bigger questions. It's going to be very interesting to see how it plays out and how the league positions itself to to try to capture those long-term benefits. And how does it relate to Portland? Uh, well, here's the two opportunities you have to see Lionel Messi at Providence Park this season. Uh, the Timbers make a run to the League's Cup final and host it, uh, which I don't even think is necessarily possible. I think the League's Cup final has a neutral location. And your Portland Timbers make the MLS cut playoffs and have a better record than inter Miami. And, and Miami makes the playoffs, which by the way is no Miami makes the playoffs, well. <laughs> which they're, they're dead last in the East right now. And so if those two teams make the playoffs, Timbers have a better record. They both make a run to MLS cup. Uh, you will have Lionel Messi in the MLS cup final at Providence park uh, in this December. <laughs> Which that, uh, uh, of these two teams that are currently in the race for the wooden spoon, which do you regard as having higher upside in the second half of the season? <laughs> the, the, let's see the team that's adding Lionel Messi or the team that uh, is not, but has that is currently better, making 
ostensibly tactical switches for one of its best players to play Eric Miller. Yes. Uh, I mean, Miami, <laughs> Miami, but, but, you know, like structurally the team is theoretically better in Portland. Is it? So, <laughs> I mean, I, we'll I think, see. I think Miami has a few more injury issues, uh, that, that they're having to fight through their, their central midfield has just totally been gutted. Uh, and, and Gregor there's a good of- fix. There's a good fix for that. Yeah, I mean, honestly, it's been more on the defensive end of things uh, in in their defensive central midfield than they're attacking. But Messi is going to make them a lot better. Uh, I I, I think both rosters are pretty flawed, which comes comes through in spades in both of their records. Uh, I think Messi covers up more flaws than. I don't even know what the comparison would be. <laughs> well, let's let's not compare. Let, let let let's be fair to everyone involved and just not compare uh, anybody to Messi here in terms of their impact in MLS cuz it's going to be some special stuff. Um uh, even for a Miami side that has been woefully bad this year, it's going to be really fun to to watch. So yeah, it'll be fun. We will look look forward to that. Um that'll wrap up the discussion today for us here on Soccer Made in Portland. I'm Ryan Clark. Uh, Thanks to Chris Reifer, as always, for uh, his analysis on this wonderful pod. Uh, Make sure to follow us on Twitter at SoccerMadeInPDX, at Chris Reifer, and at Ryan T. Clark. Like us, subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts, leave us a review if you so choose, and we will see you next week.